You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. confess our sin to Christ as this woman confessed her sin to him Jesus doesn't dwell on it he says great now move on this is great now move on we want to dwell on it we want to hang around and dwell on the old sin and oh woe is me oh my gosh no no dwell move on move on Paul says I forget the things that are behind me I forget those things and I press on to the high call in Jesus Christ I press on to that I forget that stuff because Christ has forgotten it He remembers our sin no more. Are you somebody who likes to dwell in your misery and mistakes? Sometimes it feels like you need to just settle in because it won't change. But Pastor Dave reminds us today that God forgets our sins as far as the East is from the West. Why do you beat yourself up when the creator of the world wants you to simply move along? Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 4 as he continues his message, A Divine Appointment. Jesus' words piqued the woman's interest. She got his attention. It made her think. It made her want to give what was being offered to her. Give me that water. She really didn't know how to respond. I love the way she responds. She says, you have nothing to draw from. And I love this one. I call this detour number one. Are you greater than our father Jacob? Call this detour number one. Because she takes Jesus on several detours trying to derail him. Well, yes, lady, he said he is. In fact, I wrestled with Jacob and touched his hip. Like Nicodemus, this woman was thinking physically, not spiritually. The woman was thinking in terms of material, physical water. When Jesus was speaking of eternal, spiritual realm, we get caught up in the physical and we make the mistake of placing our eyes on the temporal. The word of God speaks to us spiritually, but we look at the temporal, how I'm feeling. I don't feel like this. I don't want to do that. What's this? What's that? Jesus clearly said, whoever drinks of this water shall never thirst again, because nothing material will ever satisfy the soul like the water Christ gives. Nothing satisfies like Christ. Nothing satisfies like Christ. When we get thirsty for the material, it's like we're drifting back into the old watering places. We've removed ourselves from the word. We've removed ourselves from being nice to people, from ministry. We've removed ourselves from the things of the kingdom, and we end up as dry bones. We end up spiritually spent, spiritually done, and we have nothing to give, nothing to give whatsoever. You can't give out what you don't have. If you're not spending time with God in the spiritual realm, if you're not praying in the spirit, if you're not speaking to God, If you're not listening to God, reading his word, meditating on his word, you have nothing to give. All you are is dry bones. Dry bones. Just like Nicodemus, this woman was trapped in a lifestyle she couldn't get out of. In her present state, she thought she was without hope. So Jesus attracted her heart. He aroused her mind, and the next thing we see, he awakens her conscience. Let's look at 16 through 24. 
Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have said, well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you are now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and the Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. There's a problem. She wanted the living water. Sir, give me this water to drink so I won't thirst again. Jesus had her. She wanted this water. He had her right where he needed to take her. She was there, but there was a problem. She couldn't partake of the living water that was offered to her because something in her life had to be addressed. Sin. You can't partake of the living water if you're in sin. You cannot partake of the living water if you haven't addressed the sin issue. The only way to prepare the soil of the heart is to receive the word of God is to plow it up. Break up the fallow ground of your heart. And that was Jesus was doing to this woman. Break up the fallow ground of your heart. Jesus plowed up the fallow ground of the woman's heart with conviction. He spoke to her boldly. Before we can taste the living water in our own lives and have a relationship with Christ, we too must deal with our sin. Our hearts must be prepared. We must break up the fallow ground of our own hearts. I must go to the cross. I must confess my sin. I must own up to my sin and ask for forgiveness. Jesus asked the woman to go get her husband. He knows that she's been married five times. He knows that she's living with another guy. He challenged her to admit the full lifestyle. He challenged her to admit her sin. For there can be no conversion without conviction. There can be no conversion without conviction. Conviction leads to repentance, and then you can have a saving faith. Jesus arouses her mind and awakens her conscience. He stirred her emotions to deal with her sin. Bring it out in the open. I have no husband was an honest response. It was the smartest thing that she said to Jesus. I have no husband. Look what Jesus did. Looked down under his finger and said, okay, young lady. Not what he did at all. He approved of her answer and showed her grace. He approved of her answer because it was true. You have said, well, it was true. And he makes a feeling of grace. Remember what Jesus said in John 3, 17? He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He doesn't condemn her. There's no condemnation. So often when we get to the point of this point in our conversations with people, and all of a sudden they start dumping their sin on them, our eyes get real big. It was like, oh my. And there's a change in us because we're hearing these these people's sins, forgetting that we were just like they, and sometimes are. And we kind of back off, and they sense that. They feel that. And as soon as you start to back off, they think, oh, condemnation. Ah, I'm being condemned here. Or you start hitting them with a million scriptures about sin. That's the last thing they need to hear right now. You need to show compassion. This is what Jesus is doing. Showing grace, showing compassion. 
You have said well. He didn't revel in their sin and her sin, and he doesn't revel in our sin. Jesus did not revel in our sin. He doesn't revel in our sin, and some of us make a dangerous mistake by reveling in the sin of others. Dangerous place to be. Always pointing it out and saying, well, and we revel in their sin. It's a dangerous place. Jesus never did this. He never reveled in sin. The woman once again tries to evade Jesus. This is detour number two. I perceive you're a prophet. Yeah. And instead of truly listening to his answer, she takes detour number three and starts talking about the Jewish and Samaritan religions. So see, the woman is not only a slave to sin, but she's caught in the religious box too. Well, the Jews said we have to worship over here. Our people say we have to worship here. What's the difference? What are we going to do? You know, it's much easier to discuss religion than it is to confront your sin. It's much easier to do that. But once again, Jesus reveals the woman's ignorance. She did not know who to worship, where to worship, or even how to worship. Spiritually ignorant. Spiritually ignorant as are we sometimes. In verses 21 to 24, Jesus makes it clear that all religions are not equally acceptable before God. In fact, he's saying here that those who worship in the religious box are worshiping in ignorance and unbelief. In this one statement, salvation is of the Jews. Jesus clearly says that the only faith that God will accept is that which came through the Jews via Jesus Christ. For remember, Jesus Christ was Jewish. Jesus continued and said that the only those who have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and obey the truth can worship God acceptably. She's worried about where can we go to worship? Where can we go to find God? Well, let me ask you the question. Where's God found? Where is God? Everywhere, exactly. He's found everywhere you are. He surrounds us. God's not localized. Nor can you localize God. How glorious it is that we gather here today in his presence. But this isn't where he lives. You bring him with you. He was in the car as you were driving over, having an argument with your husband or wife. He was at the house when you're screaming at the kids, get ready, we're never going to make it to church. He was there. He was right there all along. He was there when you gave the clerk at Wawa a dirty look. He was there right beside you. He was there. He's with you always. Yes, he is here in a true sense, but he doesn't dwell here. He dwells everywhere. He's near you. We need to be more conscious of the all-prevailing presence of God wherever I am. Think about that. You take him wherever you go. He sees whatever you do. And for some of you, you should go, oh, boy. He says, God is spirit, and I am surrounded by him. And man, right away, my heart, boom, right away. Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed and hold, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Where can I go? You can't go anywhere where God is not. You can't go anywhere where God is not. Jesus said to the woman, you can't localize God. He's not on that mountain. He's not in Jerusalem anymore. He's not in any locality. He doesn't dwell where there is any one place. God dwells in the hearts and the lives of every one of his children. If you're a child of God today, through the acceptance of Jesus Christ, sacrificed on the cross, God is in you through the Holy Spirit. 
He is there and he's with you. In him we live and move and have our being. God is the spirit. God is in you. You want to worship him? You've got to worship him in spirit. That's the spiritual truth of God. We must worship him in spirit and truth. These are glorious words. Jesus establishes the true basis for worship. It's not in places. It's not in traditions. It's not in rituals. It's in heartfelt worship to God, thanking him for salvation, thanking him for what he did on the cross, thanking him for who he is alone, your creator, the author and finisher of life itself. To worship in spirit means you're concerned with spiritual realities, not sacrifices and all the such things. To worship him in truth means you worship him according to the entire counsel of God found in his word, God's entire counsel. So Jesus attracts the woman's heart. He arouses her mind. He awakens her conscience. And finally we see he assures her soul. He assures her soul. Let's finish out 25 and 26. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you, and he. The woman has asked many, many questions of Jesus. She's taken detour after detour after detour, but in spite of her ignorance, in spite of her ignorance, there is one truth that she really knows. There's one truth that she really knows, and she says to Jesus, I know the Messiah is coming. I know that Christ is going to be here, and when he comes, he's going to teach me all things. He's going to show me all things, and that must have some excitement in her. She must have been really excited about that, because she, I finally got one right, didn't I? Yeah. You've been hammering on me, but now I got something right, didn't I? The Messiah is coming. He's going to tell me all things. Where did she get this bit of truth? Somewhere, somewhere along the way, a little seed was planted in her heart. A little tiny seed was planted in her heart, and now it's starting to bear fruit. We must never, ever underestimate the power of a little seed of truth planted in someone's heart. You plant the seed. Someone else waters. Someone else picks out the weeds. Someone else does this. But God gives the increase. God gives the increase. But you plant the seed. You plant the seed in the heart, and don't worry about it if you don't see the fruit right away. Don't worry about it if you ever see the fruit. It's not yours to see. It's between them and God. Sometimes you're blessed to see the fruit, and that's a wonderful thing. But it's not yours always to see. Look at Jesus' answer. Oh, my. Did he have to pick the woman up? I who speak to you am he. Wow. In the original language, it says, I to speak to you, I am. I am. He uses the proper name of God to this woman. And she knew exactly what he was talking about. Can you imagine the look on her eyes? Look at the way he guides this woman into his kingdom. Look at the way this master teacher that he is. Jesus Christ is the master teacher. He attracts her heart by simply speaking to her. Simply speaking to her, breaking down barriers that were centuries old. No man has probably ever spoken to her in a long time unless they wanted something from her. Nobody has ever spoken to her like that. This, this guy comes up and always says this, give me a drink of water. He arouses her mind by speaking about living waters. He gets her attention, and he awakens her conscience by revealing her sin and convicting her to confession. And then even though she tried to take detour after detour after detour, Jesus said, that's not the issue. 
He brings it back to salvation. He assures her soul by telling her that he's the one she's been waiting for. He is the Messiah. When we confess our sin to Christ, as this woman confessed her sin to him, Jesus doesn't dwell on it. He says, great, now move on. He says, great, now move on. We want to dwell on it. We want to hang around and dwell on the old sin and, oh, woe is me, oh my gosh. No, no, dwell, move on. Move on. Paul says, I forget the things that are behind me. I forget those things and I press on to the high call in Jesus Christ. I press on to that. I forget that stuff because Christ has forgotten it. He remembers our sin no more. Move on. And Jesus wants to assure you this morning of who he really is. Do you know? Do you know who he really is? He is the Messiah. He is the Christ, son of the living God. He is the one that came to earth as a man, took on humanity. He added to his godhood humanity. He became a man, felt the same things that you feel every single day, was weary, thirsty, went through life, knew all along that he was going to be crucified, knew all along that he was going to be beaten to an inch of his life, knew all along what he had to do because he knew who he was, he knew where he was going, and he went to a Roman cross for each and every one of you and me and the entire world. That's what he did. He went to the cross because that's where salvation starts, at the cross, and that's where salvation ends, at the cross. It is finished. What a good example for us to follow. Touch and attract their hearts. How you doing today? Good to see you. Have a great day. Yeah, sounds corny. Yeah, people are going to think you're an oddball. People think I'm an oddball everywhere I go. I don't care. <laughs> so what? Arouse their minds with little tidbits. Awaken their conscience and assure their soul. This woman was the most unlikely candidate for salvation according to the standards of many. According to the standards of many, this woman was an unlikely candidate for salvation, but I guarantee she was no different than you and I. She was stuck in a religious box. She was stuck in sin. And Jesus reached down and yanked her out and pulled them into his marvelous light. When it was all said and done, she believed in the name of Jesus Christ. And next week we're going to see that that belief turned her into an evangelist. That belief in Jesus Christ, through that conversation, she becomes an evangelist, and she goes into town and says, you got to see this guy. He just told me everything I ever did. Could he be the Messiah? She becomes an evangelist for Christ after that one moment, that one time. Even if it happens right now, you have something to tell them. This woman, it happened in an instance about a five to ten minute conversation with Jesus. I don't know how long it took, but she immediately leaves her water pot, bolts, runs to the village and shouting and yelling at all the guys, you got to come see this guy. you got to come see him. Could he be the Messiah? Why'd she leave the water pot? She don't have any need of that water anymore. That water is going to make her thirsty again. She could care less about that water. I believe he can do the same right here. I believe he wants to win this community for himself. I believe he wants to win this community. We live in a great community here. It's a beautiful, wonderful place. It's a, it's a paradise surrounded by water. It's beautiful. It's wonderful down there. So much wonderful that people come down there and they spend thousands of dollars just to be here for a couple days. This is a wonderful place down here. Do we realize what we have? It's a paradise. 
What a great opportunity to show the love of Christ to everyone who would look in. What a great opportunity. And I believe he's ready to use you. Use you, just like that Samaritan woman. You've heard his word. You've accepted it. You believe that he's the Christ, son of the living God. You believe that your sins are forgiven. Now go, move on. And tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Tell somebody about him and see what God would do. I challenge you to do that. Bring the community into Christ. I'm not asking you to bring the community in the Calvary Chapel. I'm asking you to bring the community into the kingdom of God. That's what counts. The kingdom of God. Because the Messiah was here at one time, was recognized by this woman, and we know from Scripture that he will come again. We want all to go with us when Christ calls. We don't want none to be left behind. And that's his will too, that none would perish. If you're here and you haven't truly made a decision for Christ, you've heard a message about a woman who was in sin, who was married, divorced, married, divorced, married, divorced, married, divorced, married, divorced, and living with a guy who received grace and mercy from Jesus Christ himself, who taught her things and said, I want to give you living water. Christ wants to give you living water today. He wants to throw that upon you so that fountains in you will raise up and come out. Christ wants to do in your life. Don't leave this place today if that's you. Don't leave this place today without coming forward for prayer and accepting Christ in your life. Come forward. Make a stand like this Samaritan woman did. Make a stand for Christ. If you confess him before men, he will confess you before the Father. You can learn a lot from these passages. We just can't gloss over them because we gloss over them as a good story. Yeah, it's a great story, but there's so much in here. So much in here that I haven't even touched the surface. We could go into it and dig into it more. We might. You never know. God has called you, and he wants to use you. And he's given you the ability to be used, and he's given you power through his Holy Spirit. If you lack the power of the Holy Spirit, well, then come forward and be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need the power to be a witness for him. Come forward and receive that baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray for you. Let's pray for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've been sitting here for a long time and nothing's happening. You can't understand why you don't have power. You don't have boldness to go witness for Christ. You feel like you're stuck. Your feet are in cement. Well, maybe you haven't experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you need to come forward and be baptized in the Holy Spirit and get the power to do what God has called you do. That's what it says in Acts 1.8, and you will receive power from on high. Power for what? To be witnesses of me. To be witnesses of me, Jesus said. That's where the power comes from. It comes from the Holy Spirit. There's some things you need prayer about. We invite you to come forward and pray with the men and the women who are up here. See what God would do in your life. Oh, how we long for this time in in our area down here in Lower Township. What a wonderful place. We want God to be touched. We want God to be glorified. You are The Gospel of John was written from a perspective that provides an eyewitness account of what happened during the life of Jesus here on earth. 
Different than the other three Gospels, John's book describes Jesus in ways that confirm him as the Son of God. There are things done and said that can only point to Jesus being far more powerful than what a human could do. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as, I am. In this book, John recounts how Jesus said, I am the light of the world, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the resurrection and the life. These were bold statements, but Jesus proved throughout his ministry that they were indeed true. He lived a life that compelled people to follow at that time, to seek him out, and to commit their lives. And we can also follow him today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at AssureHopeRadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how he can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's Word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on Assure Hope.